Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today, I teased a little bit yesterday on Twitter, we do have a very special guest, um, Gray Albright of Razzball, or actually, he is Razzball. You can follow him on Twitter at Razzball. Gray, how are you doing? Good, man. What's going on? All right, all right, all right, all right. What's going yeah. on? Nothing, man. This is uh, take two. <laughs> the weather just took a crap over here and kicked us off the first time. So let's try this where's, again. Uh, where's, where's over here? Where are you? The complete opposite side of the country. I'm in Florida. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm oh, in Florida. So. Oh, oh, no. I'm, I'm in Japan. Wait, you're in Florida? Oh, wow. Huh. You're, oh, you're in Japan. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in L.A. So a, uh, where in Florida? Um, right. Um, I'm... I live in Daytona Beach at the moment. It sounds like I'm, yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like I'm interested in where you actually live. I'm just wondering if games are going to be rained out. So if you, um, is, there any, is there any way you can tell me if I need to change my lineups right now? I, I'm, I live, the problem is I live like two and a half hours east of Tampa and about three, three and a half hours north of Miami. Miami's, well, both of which are, uh, Okay, so your home is irrelevant. So what else is going on? <laughs> just, just, just trying to get, trying to get the uh, this going. <laughs> this is all this is a mess right now. So um, again, though, honestly, I really do appreciate you taking the time to join me today. You've been doing this for a long time. I'm relatively new, and by relatively, I mean like six months. And uh, what? Oh my god! I didn't realize what I was getting into. Wait, yeah. wait a second. Six months. Yeah. I have a strict nine-month cutoff for the podcast I take part in. Is this seriously only six months long? It, 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 happened, it happened to be one of those where I was given an opportunity, just jumped right into it, and kind of – it started off solo. I got a couple of co-hosts that couldn't join because time and all that, but my flex, I have a flexible schedule, so do you, so kind of worked out that way. But it's just been a kind of an ongoing thing, and it's growing a little faster than I expect. So <laughs> not going to lie, this might be a good boost to having you on here, so – Oh, all right. Well, any, any, any way I can help, you know, like I, uh, I say to P I I've said recently because we were doing the, uh, I don't know. Are you in the, uh, Raz bowl with the, uh, the fantasy football leagues? No, because I'm strictly pretty much a baseball analyst. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm baseball too. But anyway, so we, uh, I was saying I was on the radio recently and I was, and someone was asking me about the Raz bowl, which we're doing, which is basically, uh, regular Joes versus pros. So people get a chance and opportunity to go against like uh, quote unquote experts. Anyway, so <laughs> I was saying to that person on the radio, I was like, you know, when I first started out in uh, the fantasy industry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put bunny ears around industry as well. But anyway, so when I was starting out, uh, you know, I got an opportunity to be in um, some uh, leagues with like the guys at CBS and Yahoo. And I always look back on that as like, you know, a, uh, a, a, such a helpful thing. And really, like, it doesn't take anything for like someone who's a little bit more established to help out someone who's a little bit less established. So I was, you know, when you reached out to me, I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not exactly paying it forward at all because, you know, maybe I'm helping myself by promoting Razzball. But in a lot of ways... Like, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I, what I'm doing is I'm trying to help other people who may not be 
as known in the industry. And any way I can do that, and me taking the time to talk to you is, I feel like, a, uh, a way in which I can do it. So, you know, happy to be here. Yeah, and honestly, like, because you sell that, it really, it's, it's a pleasure to have you, obviously. And it's been really fun, and it's been kind of a grind. Like, I started off, obviously, from the ground, from, like, absolutely just nothing. You know, I just jumped into this, taking a chance. And it's this, this industry, like you said, quote-unquote industry, has kind of taken off over the last 10 years or so. And it has, it's like, it's pretty top-heavy. So I'm just, I've been... Uh, I've hey, been <laughs> hey, Mike, this should be more about me and less about you. <laughs> No, that I'm is true. Joking. I'm joking. That is true. <laughs> oh, that's two cackles. <laughs> I'm messing around. I, well, uh, yeah, no, I agree. It is. It is little. It is a little top heavy. And you know, it's uh, really from speaking from my own uh, POV. Uh, POV. It's like there's a lot of people who, like, once you get to a certain level, they they feel like if they're helping someone else, they're hurting themselves in some way, which is like ridiculous because at least like I feel like at least coming from my own uh, point of view is like, I feel like I could do whatever. And, you know, my fans uh, and Razzball fans will either like it or they won't, but it's not going to like me. Like they're, you know, like you're having an opportunity right now, probably to speak to some Razzball fans that you may not normally have an opportunity. So it's on you to sell them on you, but I can really do no wrong because they're going to, they're going to like me tomorrow anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. Know, if you know what I mean, do you know? Like, oh, com completely. Yeah, like, cause I get it. Like this industry that'll be like, you know, I feel like they hold back on trying to help like other people because it's like well i don't want to lose people to you it's like you ain't gonna lose no one to me there no. if you like if you want to like if someone likes me they're gonna like me and if someone likes you they're gonna like you now maybe someone who likes you may end up liking me and someone who likes me may end up liking you but they're not gonna suddenly stop liking me or <laughs> stop liking you do you know what i mean that's that's how I look at it. And now, obviously, my goals are to get to where you guys are at, as far as like, you know, someone like you and and how long you've been doing this and how respected you are. Or I guess respect. I guess respected. Could be, <laughs> I guess respected could be put in bunny bunny ears as well. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, respect, respected. But <laughs> I don't even know if I get respect from my own family. <laughs> oh, you're not the only one, man. I mean. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm hiding out in my room with lo doors locked right now. Trying to <laughs> Otherwise, the kids be running through all the oh yeah, all that crap. But um, again, in all seriousness, man, it's, it really I do really really appreciate it. I mean, it's been it's been a fun ride so far. I mean, I got picked up by Fan Tracks. I've been writing for them for about a month or so now. So it's been it's been That's a little cool. bit yeah. It's it's definitely been it's been pretty awesome. Little little more than I expected. Like I said, it's been a steady growth and it's just been kind of cool. Now, no one's going to like me as, if they like you because my, <laughs> I can't, I'm just stammering over myself now. I'm just nervous, but uh, we can skip to that part, get skip past that part and get to the, get to the baseball stuff. Now, as a whole, I did kind of, I did listen to most of your podcasts that you did the other day with uh, Jeff Erickson, right from at Rotowire. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I did a podcast uh, last week. Uh, I did the Rotowire podcast last week with Jeff and, uh, we have a new podcast out at Razzball. Uh, it got released today. So oh, good timing. Uh, yeah, I, I've talked. I talked a shit ton. Can we, we can curse on this, right? Oh, I can bleep it out. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 
Oh, that's, um, gonna be, that's gonna hurt someone's yeah. ears. Oh, that's gonna be as that'll be bleeped. Um, Maybe. yeah, no, I uh, I talked a, a ton about like trade deadlines and stuff. So, I mean, there's really like I've been. I feel like I'm kind of talked out on that subject because you know we're a little bit. We're almost a week. We're actually we are a week past the trade deadline <laughs> by the time this drops. And yeah, I mean, I just. I feel like for the most part, because of interleague play, like not a ton of change, like, you know, like back when there was no interleague or, or less interleague, there would be a little bit more of a value change. But now it's like the biggest value changes are guys who are going somewhere that actually end up getting more playing time uh, or, you know, like a Aguilar, for instance, like, okay. So, you know, like, uh, Low got sent down. Um, Sogard went over there. So, like, things like that. But you have the Rays who like to pl- platoon everyone. So then you're not necessarily, you know, it, it's not like Aguilar suddenly became better just because he's on the Rays. But if he has more playing time, then he becomes interesting. You know what yeah. I mean? And Sogard, as good as he's been, he took a little bit of a hit in value because he went to the race and now he's platooning a little more playing a little less. He was kind of platooning a little bit over there and then he got full time. It's been weird with Sogard. First of all, that's just a whole nother, like, I don't even know if I believe in what Sogard's doing, but as a whole, like the reason why I referenced that podcast is because I did, I did hear you mention about the analytics. I was just curious about your, um, your like input like do you really do you care for analytics do you think they're a little over the top these days do you think there's a happy medium in between like analytics and like actual like baseball and out and because analytics can only speak you know so much can only give you so much of an answer because you have you know all these things underlying stats and you have actual stats and i think there's a happy medium i think there's a way to utilize them as a tool and i don't i don't know but it's been a really big i'm sure it's been a huge growth over the last 10 years or so and you've been here for the whole time I really wanted your input on that and how you feel about them. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it, it's a case by case example. It depends on which analytics and it depends on which player, but like, for instance, I've been telling people, you know, right now it's either past your trade deadline or getting right up to it. I mean, you're, you're, you're abuting the trade deadline or you're past it. So it's kind of hard for me to tell people to sell at this point, even though, I have been saying, like, for instance, I've been saying to sell Walker Bueller. Now, he looked terrific in his last start, no doubt, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you had to be an idiot to not realize that. But if, if you're looking at just the analytics, you look at Walker Bueller and you're like, why would you sell that? So analytics isn't going to tell the whole story on Bueller, where I feel like he is this good of a pitcher. But my problem is, He's, he's on a team that's headed to the playoffs. There's no way that they're going to throw Bueller for this entire year. At some point, he's going to get a, you know, a phony injury, a pretendinitis, and he's going to end up on the IL, just like RU just went to the IL for a sore neck, which is ridiculous. It's just nonsense. So there's like looking at analytics is just going to get you so far when you're looking at someone like Walker Bueller because there's actually real-world – implications to him throwing because I just feel like the Dodgers have this thing so locked up that at a certain point I wouldn't be surprised if he gets skipped around or IL'd and uh, by the end of this month into September and then when you know there's no IL really in September so I wouldn't be surprised if Bueller is skipped a lot because 
they need him for the playoffs. So there's no analytics that can tell you that. I mean, there's no way to look at analytics and be like, oh, yeah, Walker Bueller is going to get skipped and come up with a fake injury. It doesn't. That's not going to happen. So you have to So you have to sort of like – you have to keep real baseball and, um, you know, teams' uh, fortunes and follies in like one section of your brain while also looking at analytics. Like, the, you know, it's similar to what I was just saying with Jesus Aguilar – or uh, Jesus, if you like. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> where you're just looking at Aguilar and you're like, okay, well, this kind of, like, he's got some major, you know, like his Ks went down, his walks went up. He doesn't look like he's as bad on just like, it's just with the analytics alone, he doesn't look like he's as bad as his stats are saying. But it's a thing where, you know, like if the Rays are going to platoon him, that's going to hurt his value. So you have to know, like, you have to, you have to, like, mix real baseball in with analytics, and you can't just look at analytics and be like, oh, yeah, like his um, ground balls are down and his uh, fly balls are up, literally and literally. So he's <laughs> going to be, you know, this guy is going to be great. Well, he might be okay, but, you know, he's also – I'm talking about, you know, uh, I don't know, Van Meter or something on the Reds. He's also he could be amazing, but right now the Reds want to see what they have in Aquino, so that hurts Van Meter, you know. So anyway, I guess that's a long way of saying I like analytics and I look at them, but I know I take them with a grain of salt if there's other things to be uh, considered. My personal use of them has, as I've kind of shifted into like you know trying to, I've been learning them on the fly as it goes throughout the season, but I feel like I have a decent grasp on them now. And a big way I use them is to try to see like just breakouts as a whole, like see if something's changed. Like if someone's made like a, maybe they pull the ball more, maybe they have a different launch angle, like stuff like, I like to look into that type of stuff. Like um, just any type of underlying change that could suggest maybe like why they're breaking out as real or why they're struggling. That's, that's a big time. That's when I like to utilize them a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I, some days, I mean, this is more so in the winter when there's no games going on and I have a, uh, a, ton, a ton of time to just be uh, diddling around that I'll look at – I could look at StatCast for like a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is like with like StatCast, like you'll look at it and you'll be like – you'll see like launch angle, like let's say uh, Reese Hoskins, he has an insane launch angle. So you look at his launch angle – and you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. But then you look at his average uh, feet per fly ball, and you're like, oh, that's terrible, <laughs> which is actually the case with Hoskins. He's hitting a lot of 380-foot um, fly ball outs. So you look at, like, you, st- you start looking at stuff, and, you're, and you can, like, basically talk your way in and out of anyone, with, yeah. like, depending on which analytics you look at. Like, I, at least I, I feel like I'm like that sometimes where I'm like, like I can, I can get to a point where I'm like, okay, I really like this guy for this reason. But then, I, I mean, there's stuff that you could look at still and be like, yeah, like Travis Shaw is a good example where I really loved him in the preseason. Like I thought he was going to be the MVP of the NL and that's embarrassing, but whatever, you know, we all make mistakes. So anyway, so Travis Shaw, if you look at his numbers, you're like, wow, he's got like, like his, uh, you know, his average exit velocity is pretty. It's pre- it's pretty damn good. It's better than Hoskins. His 
average distance per um, hit is 426 feet. Like, uh, yeah, that's really good. Like, there's a lot of things you can put out with Travis Shaw. But in, in the real world, what happened was Travis Shaw had, you know, he, he fell into a funk. And as most people know, when you fall into a funk, it just sort of, it, it can spiral out of control. So before you know it, Travis Shaw went from being in like a, you know, a one for 24 slump into being into a two month slump. And it just, it just like spiraled out of control and there was no way for him to get out of the funk. And eventually he lost his job. He went to the minors and, you know, now it may be a matter of having a whole off season or it could take a team change. Like who knows what's going to help Travis Shaw at this point, but his numbers really weren't that bad. It just like everything sort of spiraled out of control. Well, one thing the Brewers are good at is selling low. I mean, if you look at Domingo yeah. Santana, you look at Jesus Aguilar. They had, I mean, and, and Santana always had the underlying numbers that suggested that that you know because last year, the twenty eighteen, he came in kind of into a platoon situation, fourth outfielder type. But even the numbers then weren't terrible. And then if you look at the twenty seventeen numbers, and it's been a while since I looked at them again this year, but a lot of that twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen happened to line up and. It's just funny because, like, they just, again, sold Lola coming into this year, and then they just sold Aguilar, which Aguilar could be what he is. and I'm not saying he's anything beyond what he's been other than, like, you know, for the most part other than those two months or whatever it was last year. It's just, like, the Brewers are going to do the Brewers and probably sell Shaw in the offseason, like you said. more. I mean, that's where it seems like it's going. And then Shaw's going to go be great again, or at least solid, that you know, that mid-round pick. So he yeah. might be he might be somebody you look into next year, but it's just funny because the Brewers. No, I don't. I, I I mean I I agree a hundred percent. I think you know the Brewers should be ashamed of themselves for their their what they ended up acquiring for Domingo Santana and Jesus Aguilar is just egregious. I mean, there's absolutely no excuse for doing what they did with both of those guys. You had like they knew going into the season they really didn't have room for Aguilar if they wanted to work in Moustakis and um, uh, Thames. So there was like – so and Shaw. So there was like obvious – like there was too many corner guys, and they have no DH, obviously. So it's like they, they should have known coming in that Aguilar was a piece they could have traded for pitching. And the same with Domingo Santana. They had obviously – they had three outfielders. I'm not saying they should have benched – Yelich, Kane, or Braun. Uh, well, Braun's, you know, not yeah. that great. But still, I mean, <laughs> I, under, I understand why they didn't bench those guys for Domingo Santana. But if you know that going into the year as of last year, why wouldn't you trade that for a pitcher? Like the, the Brewers' best pitcher is like Gio Gonzalez, who was released oh. by the Yankees in April. So obviously, you know you need pitching. It's clear that you need pitching. For them to then sit on Domingo and Jesus and not get anything is just really bad. How dare you not put some respect on Zach Davies' name, man? (laughs) (laughs) Got my first cackle. I am officially – I actually really enjoy Chase Anderson as a cheap, uh, probably closer to 15-team mixed or deeper. Yeah. So he's not not really great for shallow legs, but I kind of enjoy him as a safe – cheap guy for very for very late in drafts like I've drafted Chase Anderson (laughs) unfortunately he's not very good like he doesn't strike (laughs) out guys I mean he's not great don't get me wrong 
but he usually keeps his ERA under four, and he's like, eh, he's okay. He, I was, he's he's better, definitely, like, in your quality start leagues, in theory, and um, but definitely points leagues. I mean, that's his form. I, I try to point out what players are better where, because I don't know about you, but I definitely play in a lot of Roto leagues. Do you typically st- – uh, is it was Roto category? Like, what's your format of choice or preference? Uh, yeah, I usually I, – I, I tend to go with Roto. I, I appreciate – I think – Roto is a better facsimile to what real baseball is because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at like, well, some people might say points leagues, but I, but I, I really don't like head-to-head leagues because I feel like it doesn't really, you know, uh, translate to real baseball. Like you want like you don't have a guy, you know, like if you're in a, if you have real, if you're talking about real baseball, what a guy does over 162 games matters and not what he does for some random week in September when you happen to be in the playoffs. Now, some people say, well, that, you know, is sort of like what the real baseball playoffs are like. Well, yeah and no, because, like, in the real baseball playoffs, you don't bench all your stars as you get them ready for the next round. That is you true. know, like, if you're playing head-to-head uh, and you're in the head-to-head playoffs in September – like guys, like like I just mentioned before, like Walker Buehler, he could get skipped or rested, and that would never happen in the real playoffs. But it's going to happen in your head-to-head playoffs potentially. So it's not really like real playoffs. Like you can't fool yourself into thinking like head-to-head playoffs is like real playoffs. Like just because you know you get a hot week from David Freeze, you can't then say, well, David Freeze helped the Dodgers in the playoffs, so it's, I'm doing the same. Not really. It's just funny because um, every time I think about what you just said about how, oh, you know, in the playoffs, teams don't do, – I always think about Strasburg and how they sat him in the playoffs that, his, that, that season. Yeah, well, that's so, a – yeah, that's an exception that proves the rule. Oh, but, I know, but that's, that's always what comes to mind. And obviously that's, like you said, the exception to the rule for sure, but it's just – I still can't get over how, how dumb they were, and they still and they haven't had much success since. So. And and you and you know people oh still point that out as the thing like the Nationals should have should should not have done. So you're like exactly. that is like obvious. So it's obvious like for the most part, if people are playing, you know, if like um, and even this even goes for teams that aren't necessarily in the playoffs. Like you know, you'll have like call ups in September who are just trying to get at bats for teams. Like I mentioned, you know, uh, Van Meter uh, and Aquino for the Reds. Like they, you know, they're, they're playing guys just to get them at bats to see what they have with them. So like that, like if you're trying to own someone there, like it's like, they're not really, it's, it doesn't, it just doesn't correlate in my mind to say head to head is like real baseball. It's just Roto, I think is the best facsimile, like I said. And I, that's my that's my preferred choice. Yeah, I'm with you. I I mean, I've and I I've gotten I've gotten to a point where I honestly have started enjoying fantasy football less. And I'm not just saying that because this is a baseball podcast. I'm saying that because I'm sick of the head. Like, I'm not a big fan of the head to head because I don't know. I feel like the best team doesn't always win, and I know that's real sports as well. But I think when it comes to being a fantasy, like when it comes to fantasy sports, I feel like the best team should win. And I think the best management should also take part, like be a part of it. I think Roto embodies management and team as far as like a fantasy sport goes. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, like with Roto, 
you know, I, I actually, I, I just like five to five by five. Like I, I'm old school in that. I just go with what I, you know, like the oldest, the oldest format. I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think, you know, I think it works fine. I, I know that there's limitations to average versus OBP and, you know, yeah, yeah but, but still it's like, I, I think that, you know, it's like it, you can easily ascertain from a box score what exactly it is, you know, your guys did versus having to like, you know, look up like, oh, what was their, uh, you know, like, what was the guy's ex-fip yesterday? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, okay, maybe that helps in, like, you know, maybe that's more, quote-unquote, realistic, but it's not as fun to be, like, I, it's the same, I have the same feeling with, like, wins, when people are like, oh, wins suck. It's like, yeah, I guess, but you can look at a box score and just see a win, like, real quick, and it's like, okay. I know my guy got the win or he didn't get the win. Like, I don't need to like try and figure out like, Oh, he went six and two thirds and gave up four earns. So is that a quality start? Hmm. <laughs> like, it's just not as fun for me. I don't know. I, I vary. I don't, I, I do a couple of five by five still. I do six by sixes. I like to change it up. It keeps me. And honestly, I think that makes me better as a fantasy player because then I'm a little more in tuned with a little bit of every type of format. Oh, I'm like, oh, I play in all the leagues. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, have a, I have a league that's K's minus walks. Like, I have those leagues, and I play in them probably more so just so I can stay sharp to, to give other people advice. I just, I just don't personally enjoy trying to figure out what a guy's K minus walks are versus just looking at their Ks. Like, you know, it's just like that extra step that is like, eh, does this make my enjoyment that much better? Because I know that a guy has three Ks minus walks versus just having, you know, seven Ks. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just doesn't make it more enjoyable for me. I, I play in them, though, for sure. <laughs> and, I mean, just for an example, I mean, there's one league where my deepest league, it's a 30-team 30, 30 dynasty with real contracts, or somehow it's managed to be that way. And – it's it both. I, I thought it was gonna be really helpful. It's actually become very aggravating because I'm picking up minor leaguers like a, a guy named Fleming Bautista. Yeah, exactly. Never heard of him before either. I found him while do, while looking at like Dominican league uh, stats. Yeah, <laughs> like so. It's yeah. like it gets to a point where it's like I try. I tried to better myself, and I realized I'm getting way deeper than I ever wanted to. And I even reached out. I'm like I um because. I had I have the you know the uh, the chance to talk to Ralph every so often on Twitter and it's like I reached out to him I'm like hey can you tell me anything about this guy he's like I've never heard of him I'm like yeah I I don't blame you he's like some no name kid from like some no name country <laughs> playing in a no name uh in a no name league but we can move on from that obviously and you mentioned the Dodgers quite a bit and that kind of brings us right into Dustin May he's probably a big reason why you know like you mentioned Bueller you'll be sitting frequently Kershaw but. I think people need to pay attention with him. I think he pretty much has almost like a must-add type of – I mean, he, should be, he shouldn't be available in many leagues, but I'm sure he is. I think he almost has like a must-add type of tag to him. I think he's up for the rest of the season. What, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, he's in that sort of same, um, you know, uh, thing as what I was saying with Bueller and Ryu. So, like, with Bueller and Ryu, I feel like they're going to get limited – so you have to have some guys come out. So like they had uh, Tony Gosling the other day mm -hmm. uh, throw a decent uh, start, which, you know, I feel like he's for as little baseball as there is left. Like 
he's as good as May, even though in the big picture, obviously Dustin May, you know, I mean, he looks like he runs like he's a drunk reindeer and is like, he, <laughs> he looks like one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks like the, the love child of Gritty and Justin Turner. It's just like, oh, he's goodness. just, he's hard to look. I mean, he's hard to look at. <laughs> to, be, to be totally frank, he's just like, he's a little bit, you know, the, the, the red hair is just like, whoa, it's like, man. It's like blowing, yeah. It's like blowing. Yeah, he's like, I call him the pigment dodger. Oh, that's so good. You know, I saw that tweet and I laughed a little too hard at it, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, no, so I'm like, so looking at, you know, like Dustin May, I think he's going to be great. Like if you, you know, taking a step back, if you look at, you know, what Kershaw did his first year in the uh, majors, it wasn't that good. So, and that's, and that's across the board. Like you look at Giolito is breaking out this year, but he wasn't great for the last three years. So like, you know, it's, you know, the old adage is that you never know when, like, a uh, pitching prospect is actually going to break out. Like, it's really hard to say if Dustin May is going to be as good as he can be this year. I think he could, but I have no idea. It's totally risky. So, I'm li- I like him, and I actually – I grabbed him in a couple leagues. I own him in two deeper leagues. I have him in an NL-only 12-team league, and I also have him in a 15-team mixed league which is a little bit shallower, but it's still deep enough. So I like Dustin May, and I would own him. But when you're looking at, like, a 10-team mixed league where, like, guys like Jake Odorizzi are on waivers, eh, I mean, like, Dustin May's okay, but it's kind of like a matchup streamer situation. Yeah, and that's – I have to – I honestly still have to remember 10-teamers exist. Because yeah. <laughs> honestly, because again, I play. I mostly like, I don't play in anything shallower than twelve teamers, and it's not that I'm against ten team leagues. It's just the way it works out is just the leagues I'm in, and he's just he happens to be owned in every single one of my leagues. So I I just look at him as like a must own. But like you mentioned, like in a shallower format, it's like I I'm very much on board with the stream him. I think he offers an upside that a lot of guys like don't offer. But yeah, he's he's not a sure thing. He's far from it, but. Just going into what we, I mean, I think eventually, I think eventually it could be a sure thing. I just don't know when we get there. The, the, you know, it's all about like, you know, what, what, what you need right this second. And if you just need a guy who's going to throw seven innings and give you two or less earned runs, Mike Leak could potentially be a better bet than Dustin May. Like it just, like it just depends on your, it's like a needs situation, I think, with Dustin May, where, you know, in my – the 12-team NL-only league where I did grab him uh, off of Fab, I paid a ton. I paid, like – I think I paid $600 Oof. out of a potential 1000 um, because, you know, A, trade deadline's done, so not that many guys are going to be coming into the NL. So I had money to spend. And really, like, this year it felt like – there wasn't a, a good many guys even coming in. I had like, you know, I really wanted Cole Tucker when he first came into the league, but I ended up not getting him, which turned out to be a good thing that I didn't get him. Yeah. And then there was like Kevin uh, Pilar early on came into the NL and I, I kind of was interested in him, but he went for a lot too. He went for like $275. So it's like, there's very little, you know, Trevor Bauer went for like over a thousand dollars. Oh, I um, bet. 
Yeah, and and for people doing the math at home, uh, it's a thousand dollar total is what you get at the beginning of the year. But if you drop guys that you drafted, you get their um, you get their you get their auction salary back. Ooh. So so you could you could you could honestly you can get like you can get over you can get like eleven to twelve hundred dollars if you drop enough guys. But it's not necessarily <laughs> a good thing. No, nope. I mean you're dropping guys probably if you're dropping guys in a twelve team NL only league, it's because they totally suck or they got injured and they're just out for the year. Well, this next that kind of plays right into the next guy. The next guy obviously must be or is going to be a big target in uh, uh, Diaz, Isan Diaz. Oh, he's owned. Yeah, he was owned. He was he was actually so he's a good example of how deep this league is. He's been owned for like a month. Like the um, should have been up a month ago, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, he should have been. But yeah, I mean, there's also a caveat with this league. It's uh, I'm talking about tout wars. I don't know if people are familiar with it who are listening. But anyway, it's uh, Craig Mish, uh, the Marlins beat writer, also. um, Of course. Yeah, (laughs) he's also got a a radio show. But anyway, he's in the league, and he he picked up Diaz like a month to six weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, Mish was on Diaz forever. He's been owned. And, you know, maybe – he would have been owned anyway if Mish wasn't in the league, but since he is, it doesn't even matter because you know he grabs all the uh, the uh, prospects from the Marlins. Which well, yeah, actually their pitching wasn't that bad this year. I was going to make fun of them, but you know, we I mean, actually, yeah. Well, I'm a Marlins fan. I'm one of like the five that exists. Oh, okay. So you know Mish then? Yeah, he's in the league, so you know like. Obviously, he's going to be all over the Marlins guys. Yeah, like I said, I'm one of the like. There's like seven in this world outside the beat writers and uh, like it's it's terrible like when I, I watched that whistle first of all they had a guy whistle the national anthem that was ridiculous yeah that was awesome i saw that that was so <laughs> it was, bad it was that so was bad like, and there was, was a- that was like betsy 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 ross uh got out of her grave rolled over and then got back in her grave that was, <laughs> it was like the worst part was, was like that, what that was that whistle and that anthem whistled was so bad uh, Kaepernick stood up for it. <laughs> oh, that one was a better one. That was a better. That was how. That was how bad that was. Yeah. No, I saw it. I was. Uh, it was actually hilarious. It well, was the, like, the problem was what there was like seven people in the stands to offend. Like, yeah, he had like he had those he had those mutton chops. Oh man, it was like yeah, it was pretty good. So uh, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was saying though, like it, there's a caveat in this league that if you if you pick up someone off of Fab, you have to keep them in your lineup for the entire week. So Ooh. Mish had Diaz in his lineup, uh, like he had a dead spot in his lineup for a week. So you know you have to you have to sort of weigh the pros and cons of that. People do it though. I mean, he wasn't. You know, Mish wasn't the only one to pick up a rookie this year before they were called up. I'm sure like everyone you can imagine was owned. Like there's very few guys that like, like I said, I spent $600 on Dustin May. And that it was like, I was shocked that he wasn't owned already to be totally honest. Now, just real quick, we don't really need to dive into it, but what, like how shallow, like what's the shallowest format you would consider him? Is 12 team mix a little too, I feel like he's fringe because shortstop is so deep. It's kind of hard to suggest him in that shallow league. 15-team mix and anything else, obviously, is a must. I think he's a 
pretty solid option, but. Yeah, no, definitely. It depends, like, your needs, because I think Diaz is a straight, at this point at least, I think he's going to be a straight power uh, gamble. He's going to be like a gambit if you need uh, home runs, and that's about it. And if you, But if you need home runs at an MI spot, I could see picking him up in just about any league. Like, I, I mean, there's probably guys on waivers that are better in, a, like, a 10-team mixed league, but I could see taking a gamble on Diaz in a 10-team mix just to see what happens. Like, sometimes guys come out of nowhere. Like, you think about Voight last year. Like, at, when he first came up, when he first was with the Yankees, he probably seemed like – too uh it seemed too shallow in a 10 team mixed league to go for someone like that but guys just catch fire and you never know i mean diaz could potentially hit 12 homers the rest of the way i mean i it wouldn't shock me the way the ball jumps out of the parks this year and you know there's a uh yeah there's a chance that any i mean there's a chance that he could be worth owning anywhere for like realistically i would say 12 team mixed and deeper probably at this point yeah, and again, it's all about what you got. Injuries play a big part. Yeah, there's a whole bunch, but we we have a huge list here and not a lot of time now. So we're gonna try this. We're gonna cover. Uh, yeah, we got absolutely nowhere. We ca- I feel like we talked about so much and nothing at the same time. Yeah, that sounds like every podcast I do. <laughs> but man, so I think we could just start with like, the Red Sox have two players right at the top of this list. Um, actually, I kind of oh, I changed it up a little bit since the last time I sent it. I, I paired them together because oh, you have two oh, guys. That, that's- that's helpful. Well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, you're Here's a list of the guys we're going to go over, and right after <laughs> I send it to you, I'm going to change the list. I okay. didn't change. I didn't change as much as I changed the order. I put because I, I like got like teammates. I put them together. For instance, we have Chris Sale and Ben Intendi heading in different directions on the same team. I had and and I put and the little notes I put next to them were questions I received as far as Chris Sale no longer being elite among the top five, top six starting pitchers in fantasy, and then yeah. you have you know Ben Attendi kind of the opposite like he he apparently he did he made a change in his swing and with that change he uh he looks like he's kind of his old his old his old, uh, his old himself again and people are curious as to, is this really him what is his rest of season outlook kind of like is he a top 50 player next year so i kind of wanted to touch on these guys a little bit problem is is there's no little bit of, these guys are huge topics right now huge discussion pieces yeah no so, i mean we could say quickly i'd say chris sale at this point like, I, I think he's pretty much, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can drop him because he's Chris Sale and anything can happen. So, unfortunately, I think you're kind of tied to him in, like, a, you know, like you would be tied to the steer of the Titanic and you're just, <laughs> you're just kind of, you're kind of sunk. Um, but I think you have to hold them. I don't think you can drop them. So, you know, just because of his K's. And if you look at his numbers – what what the, what Chris Sale's peripherals tell me is that he's probably has a mechanics issue because yeah. he's, because his K's are there, his walks are up, but he's not. But he's just throwing too many home runs. So that means to me he's not locating. And for a guy who usually has an under two um, walk per nine, he should be locating better than he is. So that makes me think he's not locating because of mechanics and he could at at any point fix it, but I don't know if he will or not. I I just like, if you look at his numbers, you don't come away thinking he's like, you know, on, on a sudden decline and becoming like, you know, 
like CC Sabathia like six years ago where he suddenly, you know, had to become a different pitcher. Like Chris Sale's numbers don't tell me he needs to become a better pitcher, a, a different pitcher. He's just – needs to like fix something what that something is I have no idea I mean I'm not a pitching coach but it looks like there's something off with his mechanics that's exactly what I was thinking I looked at you know I was looking at Brooks baseball just to look at some of his you know speeds his model everything on his pitches and kind of like the tail end of last year the he he kind of you know he, with the shoulder issue that's I think that's where it's kind of alarming because at the end of last year with that shoulder issue he was throwing 98 in as late as August and enter September, he was throwing 92, 93, and that kind of, is a, kind of has been the trend this year. At no month, no month has he pitched over, on average, 94 miles per hour on his right. fastball. So, yeah. obviously, you have a little – but the thing is, though, is like you said, he's still getting the results as far as the Ks go. So, maybe because he's not over – maybe – and that kind of plays a part where peripherals obviously suggest he's like literally a run better ERA-wise, but his home run rate is, what, damn near 20%? Yeah. So, I'm just looking – I'm looking at the – you know, the – the velocity changes and I'm just thinking he's just, he has to adjust to not being able to overpower people because I guarantee you prior to this shoulder issue of his last season, he could get away with mislocate mislocation because he was just throwing it past them. So there's going to be, I think there's an adjustment period. And I do think rest of season, he's still somebody you got to roll out there, start every start. He just, he offers that upside. And then, I mean, going into next year, he might be a value if he gets some of the stuff under, you know, figured out yeah i mean it depends on where he it depends on where he ends up in in drafts because i i mean i could see his name value carrying him above where he should be uh coming off of this year so it depends i mean i don't know it, it it's 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 up to like where you know people land on him with adp if you just i mean but if you look at his how effective his pitches have been. I mean, his pitches have not been effective, but he's still getting Ks. So, yeah, there's there's something. There's something up where I don't know. I, I, I Honestly, I don't know. I But I feel like you have to kind of – you have to ride it out. And, you know, if he continues to suck, then oh well. well someone took advantage of me. I needed pitching because, I mean, who hasn't needed pitching this year in the league? And my and I need and Sale was coming off like a good start or two was finally turning it around like I thought or at least I thought and I gave up Bregman for him straight up and uh, and that was when Bregman wasn't doing so well so of course now I'm eating crow on that one so it is yeah weird. I well, made I made one trade this year I traded Kenley Jansen for Shane Bieber because oh, well. I, I also needed starting pitching and I felt like like Sean like Shane Bieber I think is a guy who doesn't quite have the name value for most people but he is I think he's probably an easy eight to ten he's like he's a top ten starter maybe a top eight starter like if you look at Shane Bieber's peripherals they jump off the page where you're like wow he's really good you know like last year he flashed for people who aren't that familiar he has a 11 k per nine and an under two walk rate and a 3.15 uh fip so that tells you basically he's anywhere from a five to ten top starter. You know, like he's re- he's really good. Well, speak. I mean, I think the Indians as a whole really they were smart to sell Bauer because the other guy right there. Again, I moved him up to pair with him as Clevenger. Oh, actually, I actually just added him. That he's the name I added without telling you, Clevenger. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, because I, I I put out a poll the other day 
Clevenger, I think, against Bieber, and he won that one. So I put Clevenger for sale, and Clevenger won that one. And I thought I was crazy for being that. I thought I was like, kind of. I thought I was kind of hot takey to say I like Clevenger. Clevenger and Bieber are going to be like I think fringe top ten guys next year coming into draft season. Yeah, well, there's going to be so few uh, top twenty starters. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that that is uh, that's kind of moronic to say because they're the top 20 starters there'll be 20 of them but i mean you know what i mean like there's going to be guys dependable fringe yeah dependable and there's going to be guys on the fringe of the top 20 starters where you're like mm, i don't know trevor bauer has like a really rocky year i mean i think trevor bauer's still fine you know not 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 to pile on him but i think he's okay i think Last year was a career year, and he was he's not as good as he was in 2018, but he's not as bad as he's been this year either. I think he's, he's dealing with stuff. Now, one thing I want to say briefly on Clevenger that worries me is, like, sometimes when guys have – like, pitchers have back issues. Those can reoccur at any time, and that really, like, concerns me because if you look at, like, someone like you mentioned earlier, Strasburg, like, he had back issues. And that kind of derailed his whole career. So Clevenger, I like Clevenger, but the back thing really kind of worries me. So that's the only thing. Like, people are listening out there and they love Clevenger. You know, more power to you. I like him too, but I'd be concerned about the back. So you would prefer Bieber over Clevenger yeah. rest of season and even probably even yeah. into the future. Well, obviously, we, we're not fortune tellers. Injuries can happen, and I understand that. So obviously, as of now. Um, yeah, no, actually, I am a fortune teller. I got oh. my uh, JD at uh, University of Phoenix in fortune telling. So, Ooh. Yeah. So, I'm, impre- yeah, I'm so impressed. Step off, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, and the reason why, because I'm a huge Clevenger guy, but yeah, you're right. Because the back, the back is a, is concerning, but it's also because I feel like he has a, a very like a very the word what's the word aggressive, aggressive. a very yeah. aggressive. Uh, he does. Uh, he's got some. Mo- he's got some moving parts. He like he his kick is like he he takes a step. He's almost at first base at the end of it. The way his leg yeah. flies out, it's it's ridiculous. But it makes me like him that much more. It's just craziness. Yeah. No, I I I like him a lot. I mean. Don't try and put me in the not liking Clevenger. <laughs> I'm a big Clevenger fan. I'm the biggest Clevenger fan. No, except I'm not. For Bieber. I, I, like except for Bieber, yeah. <laughs> I know. I like. I do like Clevenger a lot. I'm just. I'm just putting it out there that you. I mean, back things like people love Strasburg when he first came up too, man. Like Strasburg was like he was pretty much revered as like the the next Cy Young when he first came up from the uh, minors and. He's been good. I mean, he hasn't had a terrible career, but his back has really derailed a lot of his value. And so you would take, and I'm not, I'm just going to, we can just real quick, Clevenger, Bieber, both of which you would take. And Clevenger is surprisingly old too. Like Clevenger, yeah, Clevenger's 28 years old. Bieber's only 24. That's, that's a ton of innings on a guy's arm and stuff. I'm just like, I'm I'm the wet blanket here. I, I, <laughs> apparently, I've come here to uh, urinate on all your Clevenger love. No, I mean I like I like them. I'm just saying there's some stuff that I worry about with Clevenger. And, and it's it's to be to be under it's definitely understanding. I just I just I love both these guys. A lot of it and next year a lot of it just in general is 
even if they're not as good as they really are, that division, it's gotten worse around them <laughs> as far as like mm-hmm. their division opponents. Yeah. So I think that alone, people, I think that's underrated, especially if you're in a road league where that carries that still does wins. That's, uh, I think that's a, like a tiebreaker between those two and a Chris Sale or somebody else. Like that could be part of your tiebreaker. That division is absolutely terrible. Yeah. So. No, definitely. I agree. I think the, uh, I think also with the way uh, MLB has been doing their schedules recently too, like the Indians face in, 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 uh, in division opponents, like every other day, it feels like, like mm-hmm. they're just like, they face the, the Tigers and the White Sox like so much. You're like, Oh my God. Didn't they just fit? Yeah. I mean, that was actually something I was, I talked about on Rasball a little bit that, you know, like Bauer had, would have a great start against the Tigers and then would literally come back in his next start and, and pitch against the same exact Tigers and not do as well. And I was thinking that, like, you know, the schedule could also mess with, like, guys' game plans. It's like you can't keep throwing the same game plan against teams and not expect to get hit eventually. Um, See, and that's where, that's where peripherals don't help you. That's, where, <laughs> that, that's yeah. a perfect example. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to circle back to Ben Attendee because I didn't get a chance to get your thoughts on him. I think – I'm just going to – my real quick rest of season outlook, I think – I mean, you could look at the second half numbers and he's hitting over 300. He's actually hitting pretty much the same against lefties and righties this year, which is impressive because I know he has struggled with lefties in the past, hitting like 247 last year, I think it was. And you just see there's a little bit of a change in it. And I think ultimately he might be overdrafted again, though, next year. It depends on how he finishes. I look at him like he has that 15 to 20 steal floor, and in today's game that has value. But – he doesn't offer enough upside in other categories, at least to me. I think he's like a Lorenzo Kane type, just without the age and obviously without the decline. But I just think <laughs> – well, because he's obviously – he's only, he's only 20. Nothing really. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. He's like Lorenzo Kane of 2018 where you're going to be happy to get him, but Lorenzo Kane of 2018 was what? Like, a, like right around that top 50 pick? Yeah. And yeah, I think, no, I think that's fair. I think, I, that's where, I, think, I think that's where he belongs ultimately. But I think that his the whole him being young, him playing for the Red Sox, I think he's going to be shooting right back up to that third round, fourth round pick, and I don't know if I'm going to want him there next year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a, you know, with Ben Attendee, I think with the with the thought is at least in in my um, pea brain is the the thought is that the power is going to come in a bigger way at some point because he is only 25 years old. So if he continues to hit you know, 290 and throws in, you know, chucks in 15 steals and has great runs and great RBIs uh, as he's, you know, want to do, you would expect him to be able to like get 20 homers and then the rest is gravy. And I think there's, you know, the, the thought is that there's going to be more gravy. There's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's going to hit 30 homers at some point. I think that's what people thought is it's at least it's my thought I don't know I mean he's still young I, I still think there could be more to him and the floor is really solid now the uh the floor in the first half of the season uh, it fell out from underneath him so it was like okay a few, crack, a few cracks in the foundation type of thing. yeah there were, yeah I mean there was definitely like you know someone seemed to pull the rug out from underneath him because uh, up until the first half of this year, it looked like his floor was still a top 25 guy. 
And then, you know, the first half of this year, you're like, oh, man, is he droppable <laughs> in certain shallower leagues? Like, I was getting that question on Rasball. I was like – Oh, I bet. I was, I was fielding questions about Benintendi, and, you know, he was, he was awful. I mean, he was terrible in the first half where, like, everyone was hitting for power. You know, you have guys like Tommy Lastella hit 17 homers, and Benintendi still – he still only had 12 homers. Um depending on when you listen to this. Now, if you listen to this <laughs> in three weeks from now, that may not be accurate <laughs> anymore. But, yeah, I think Benintendi is potentially, like, still – I think I, – I still believe in the floor, I guess is what I'm saying, and I still believe there could be more. So, uh, I, I like them. I just – you know, I don't love them. I'm not, like – I'm not the big – like, I'm not necessarily the biggest Benintendi fan, but I, I do like them. I – you know, like, this year – I had Mondesi over Benintendi. Like, I had guys over Benintendi that other people didn't have. So I definitely liked other people above Benintendi. But, you know, like, I felt like coming into this year, the the closest comparison for fantasy was, like, Anthony Rendon, where you have a guy who's going to, you know, Rendon's – they're not similar players, but they are – they end up around the similar fantasy value. Like, Rendon – uh, coming into this year was like a 25 to 28 homer guy with a 290 to 30 uh, to 305 average and good counting stats, but like, no, but no steals. So Benintendi had more steals, but a few less homers. So they were kind of like similar in everything except for power and speed. Um, but they just offset each other. So I felt like it was like, you know, when you got to the third round, you were deciding between Benintendi and Rendon. I, I was, I was tend, I, I was leaning Rendon, but I didn't dislike Benintendi. I'm not going to sit here, you know, five months later and pretend that I didn't like Benintendi. I win. I yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I win in the hindsight game. Uh, I, I liked him. I just didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't necessarily love him more than other people. I just, I liked him. I felt like he, he was what he was with potential for a little bit more. And I, I still kind of feel the same way. He is essentially what he is. And maybe there's more pop in his bat. Maybe. I don't know for sure. But I, could. I, I think Dynasty, his value remain takes a little hit for the most part. Obviously, every year that he doesn't get to that ceiling everyone's takes a little hit in Dynasty. But I think redraft, he I, I don't know. I'm not going to be as optimistic on him personally next year. I'm probably going to end up with him because, I mean, I'm, I'm – I, Depends on how he finishes. If he finishes showing a little more pop in his I mean, he's been doing really well the second half. So, I, I think it's to be determined. I think all in all, though, I, I could see him being similar to this year's ADP. And if that's the case, I don't think I'm going to be in on him. Again, like I was kind of with you. When I seen Rendon there, which I love Rendon. I think he was like one of those great cornerstones of your teams in the third round, like as safe as it gets. I was having a hard time passing that up for him. So, Yeah, I thought it was – you know, it was like Benatendi, Rendon, Reese Hoskins felt very similar in the preseason. At this mm-hmm. point, Hoskins is he hasn't had a great year. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's I think there I think there's better to come though with Hoskins. I, I'm not over Hoskins yet. Benintendi had a tough first half, as we just mentioned. And Rendon has been solid, but you know, he has his usual uh, nicks and injuries and stuff where he, you know, he's he's fine though. I mean, I like Rendon a lot. I just, I, I I'm just saying, there's there's some issues with Rendon too, where it, there's a reason why he's a third rounder versus second rounder or first rounder. 
and we can we're gonna move on i'm trying to, again i know you have to get out of here so i'm gonna run through a few names i guess see if what see whatever you, wherever you can give me i'm gonna take um i know mcneil's a very hot name he kind of just i think he left a little banged up yesterday's in yesterday's game but i think i'm really a believer i think this is who he is for the most part obviously i i don't know i think the D- daniel murphy comps i've heard are very very accurate a little less power but murphy wasn't always a power guy either but I think there's a little, a little less power in that profile, a little more speed or speed potential. I, I, think I, I like the, McNeil. I think, I think the comp for Jeff McNeil feels to me like DJ LeMayhew. There's That's like, a, yeah. There's a, there a ton of average, not a ton of power or speed, and you're hoping, you know, he gets the counting stats. So, I mean, he's fine. I don't mind Jeff McNeil. I kind of – I like Jeff – I like – Actually, I love Jeff, Jeff McNeil coming into this year where I was, like, all about him, and I was telling everyone to draft him back in March, but I didn't, I, I didn't actually follow my own advice, and I don't own him anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. So, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I, I, but I still like him. I'm just not a, a, a huge fan of paying for batting average so, because it is so fickle. That I like Jeff McNeil, but I, I feel like I might like him less now than I did in the preseason because now, as we look at 2020 and we look and we start looking uh, ahead to next year for McNeil, if he is highly ranked because of his average, I'm not gonna. I, I don't like DJ LeMahieu for the same reason. I'm not gonna love that. I, you know, like oh, I, I, I agree. I can, I can yeah. see McNeil. I can be, I can see McNeil going around like pick seventy next year, pick eighty. And yeah, because yeah, then you're passing on guys like Michael Conforto, where I like like obviously offers way more upside, way more potential. I yeah. bet you Matt Chapman well, falls I love, again. I had Jeff McNeil, I think, at like two twenty overall, and I I believe Yahoo and ESPN had had him probably about a hundred picks later than that. Like I loved. Jeff McNeil compared to some other people who are ranking. Like I, yeah. I, I had Jeff McNeil high at 220 was high for him in the preseason. I loved him at that point. And I, and I would be in at like 120, but when you're talking like top 75, I'm not in anymore. But you, yeah. And I'm exactly with you. And I would say great minds think alike, but I don't want to be in the same. I'm not in the same category as you get, man. You're, you're, uh, yeah, you're like, no, you're, you're like, you're great minds. We're great minds. We're thinking no, alike. You're, you're a swamp, yeah, but you, you got yeah. your, you're, um, you're there. You're there. You're there. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a degree in t- fortune telling, though. <laughs> JD. I, I never, I should go back for my four year degree. There you go. I was just like, I, I can, I know the future and it's just not worth it for me. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> And like obviously, um, I'm just Michael Conforto. He, I, I don't know. I kind of figure out. I figured him out to be a second half player. It feels like he's been turning on of late. Last year, he came back from the injury, had that monster second half. I'm just yeah, a big. He's, he's a four. I'm a big I mean, Conforto fine. guy, though. Yeah, no, I like Conforto too, but he's just a bit of a bore. To, yeah, mean, I understand. He, he, at this point, I feel like he is what he is. Like he goes into these funks where he doesn't get any hits for like a month. <laughs> Then he comes out of it and he's like, okay, Conforto's good again for like a month to six weeks. And then he's not good again for a month to six weeks. And he's just like, he's very, he's very hot or cold. And he doesn't do much outside of hit, you know, uh, homers. And it's just not, it's just not great. He's I don't little, know. I like, I like, I, mean, I wrote a sleeper post on him coming into this year. So I loved too. Conforto <laughs> for this year. 
But I, I'll be honest, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be in again next year because he is so boring. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I feel like, though, the, uh, what's going to happen is like in, 20, uh, in 2018, I wrote a sleeper post for Max Kevlar because I loved him last year. And then I, I went out this year, and now he's like, you know, he's about to hit 45 home runs because Max Kepler. Of course he's going to hit 45 home runs. So. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, speaking yeah. of the Mets, I mean, we'll get to Max Kepler because he's on this list too, obviously, uh, which I should have taken advantage of the transition, but I refuse to. I want to yeah. be, be, be difficult. I tried. I tried to help you with a segue, yeah. Well, well because there's one more Met that I think is really relevant, and that's Pierre Alonso. And I didn't want to get off the Mets. I want yeah. to stick to the team. And I think it's as simple – I think it's really as simple as that. He always profiled to be like that 250, 260 hitter, I thought. And he was a big sell high. By the way, he was a big sell high for me really early, like early on in the breakout. So, I'm, like, I actually sold – and, of course, I sold for Cray, I think, and I was getting a huge win. And that burned me for half the year because Cray has been injured. Alonzo had, you know, the first half he had. I think he's just kind of getting back to where he belongs almost. The power's real. The on-base skills are there. But there's some holes in the swing, and it's been – it's kind of just – I think I think it's been uh, finally – it's just come back down to earth a little bit. That's kind of what I see, and I don't know if you feel any different. Mm, no, I, I think you're right on. I think Pete Alonso was always going to be a big power around 245 to 255 hitter. So when he was hitting like – 300 it was it was there was it was always fluky and a mirage so it was never really like I never really bought the 300 Pete Alonzo he's a 250 hitter and you know right now he's he's slowly making his way back to 250 I don't think he's gonna be like his K rate doesn't strike me like he's not gonna struggle I don't think to hit like 230 I think he is I think he's a solid 250 hitter with uh, 35 to 40 plus homers which is what he can be next year too I think he is that I just don't just don't believe you know like in the first half of this year when he was hitting like you know 310 or some nonsense in April or whatever it was I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me but exactly. you know like what I mean is you know like he was hitting over his head uh early on and he's just coming back to earth but he's still good Speaking of coming back to earth, and I still I, – I just wrote a piece about him because I do a weekly deep dive article on uh, for fan tracks, and my last, my last victim was Bell because – I and I honestly came out of it thinking there's no way he's been as bad as he's been. Like, there, obviously, we all can pretty much agree that the first two months were way over his head, kind of like Alonzo. The problem is is people, people keep trying to do the first half, second half splits with him. It's actually – it's not that. It's the first two months and the second two months. So it goes, his, his, unfortunately, his struggles go back farther than just the second half. Yeah. I think Josh Bell, Josh Bell, for me, like about a month to six weeks ago, was like my biggest sell. I couldn't say to sell like Josh Bell enough. Like I, I was saying it repeatedly on Rasball. You like his his I think it was May was just obnoxiously ridiculous. I mean, it was like suddenly he had like a thirty homer per fly ball rate, and it's like. There's no one. I mean, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo maybe can, can go across a whole season with a 30 homer per fly ball rate. It's not – for people out there who are listening who don't know, I mean, Josh Bell is around a 15 to 20% homer per fly ball guy. And 
at like in like May, he was like a 32% homer per five ball guy. So it's just like something like that is just it's not realistic for him to uh, continue uh, hitting like as many home runs. It's basically what it's saying. You know, uh, if people are listening who aren't familiar with it, it's basically saying how many home runs a guy hits off of each fly ball. So logically, if you think about that, like for every third, uh, for every third fly ball Josh Bell hit, he was hitting one of them for a home run. Think about that, like logically, it's not possible. It's just like, <laughs> like if you look at Josh Bell, you can tell immediately, and look at like PNC. Like, the park doesn't play for home runs. Josh Bell was never a home run guy before, like, May of this year. So it's like, if you look at that and you, like, just think about it logically, you're like, well, yeah, obviously Josh Bell cannot hit a home run for every third fly ball. So eventually it was going to come back and it was going to bite him in the ass, and it has, like, recently. I was kind of hoping he continued it in the second half of this year so I could say, you know, how overrated it was next year. But now I think people are starting to figure out that, you know, Josh Bell really wasn't as good as his numbers were pretending to be, like, for two months there. See, and I made the mistake. I thought – like, I, I was – first of all, I, this is one of the few wins now. It's like a win and a loss now because I was actually a big Josh Bell guy in the preseason because um, what I ended up – you know, I, found, I read that apparently – Everything is everything's gravy at this point for you. If you bought him in the preseason, I think you you take the uh, thirty homers he gives you for this year and you run with. I mean, I oh, I, sure. I would be happy because he was going so late. I would I'd be happy if I if I had the opportunity to time travel and go back and be like, okay, we're in March. I can take Josh Bell at like one fifty overall. I'm taking him in every single league. I can take him. Like, a hun- and that's, like, before his ADP, I think, even. Like, I think he was even going later than that. So, like, well, if, I could, oh, if sorry, I could draft Josh Bell in every single league for this year, even with how bad he's been in July and now, now into August, I would take Josh Bell in every single league because he still outperformed whatever you were expecting. You did – you got you got it in, like – April, May, or May, June, or whatever it was. Like, you got you got what you needed from him. It's just, unfortunately, you know, he's coming back to earth now. Well, and my biggest problem was is I didn't believe that I should sell him. I thought the breakout was real. I knew it wasn't that real. I'm not that, I'm not that ignorant, and I don't pretend to be. <laughs> but, but the problem, the big thing was, and just real quick to touch on it, was uh, he apparently late 2018, he, tr- he transitioned back into – the, the approach that got him the success we saw in 2017 with the 26 home runs and all that. So I was like, all right, cool. That's what made, me, made him a sleeper for me, like part of that part. Plus, his, you know, his profile is always really nice with the walks and K ratios. And he was never obviously a 275-plus hitter. But And then when I saw that, and then he, apparently, you know, you look at – it goes back into the advanced stats. You saw there was like a uh, uh, launch angle change, and he was being more aggressive swing at the first pitch. Like he made – like he purposely made changes – just pitchers have since adapted to him, and he and now that he when he tried adapting back, they adapted again. It looks like so it's been a lot of you know a lot of yeah, just no totally yeah no I think so it's, now it's if been... you look at if you look at his numbers now I would say he's a thirty five homer hitter and a, a thirty five homer two sixty five hitter. If you would have asked me in March, I would have said twenty homers and 
255. Like, I was so out on Josh Bell. Like, I'm not claiming victory for, like, where I was in March. I was totally off. I didn't think he had this even in him. So he obviously has changed, but he's still – I mean, he was on pace to hit, like, 60 homers. I mean, he's not not that ridiculous, but he is better than he ever was. I think, you know, if you said – uh, Josh Bell is going to hit 35 homers and 260 this year. If you told someone that in March, they would have drafted him in every league. So I think it's still – he's still better than he ever was. He's just not as good as he was in May and June or wherever, whenever those months were when he was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the first two months as a whole, really. Yeah, uh, April, May, maybe, yeah. Now we can uh, – if you want to get back to Max Kepler, you are obviously – you are a year early on him, it sounds like. Yeah. This, you, you, so you're buying into this for the most part, obviously. Yeah, I no, I loved Max Kepler in 2018. If any, if any Razzball uh, people are listening to this, they'll, they'll let you know. I definitely – no, I was all about Max Kepler in 2018. I thought, I thought 2017 was a uh, – it was pretending to a big, huge 2018. Like, I, I looked at 2017, I was like – I was impressed – with, you know, all his, uh, like, you know, he hits a, a good amount of fly balls. His uh, homer per fly ball is decent. Like, he doesn't kill – like, he's not, like, a guy who's going to kill you in um, Ks. He has decent amount of walks. Like, I really liked Max Kepler to the point where I felt like Max Kepler could have been like, – like, he could have been a breakout last year. Unfortunately, it never happened. So – it happened this year, which, you know, oh, well, uh, <laughs> I was a year early. Sometimes when you're a fortune teller, you can't necessarily oh, know what uh, you're looking at in the future. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the year was a little fuzzy on the calendar. The year was fuzzy, but the information was on. Uh, I liked them a lot. So I, I think Kepler, you know, I don't – this year it looks like he could get to 40 homers, which feels a little extreme. But I do still like him. So I'm going to be – like, I feel like – I was also – last year I was crazy about Trey Mancini. And he's another guy who had an off year last year and now has bounced back this year. I was – I'm again, I'm out on Mancini this year. Unfortunately, I missed him by a year. But I think he's another guy who you're like who, – who for whatever reason – it, whether it's that people just don't trust them or for whatever reason, I think Kepler and Mancini and guys like that are going to be undervalued even next year. Even if they reach 40 homers this year, I guarantee you that they'll be going later than a lot of other guys because there's just certain guys that people, they just don't get that excited about them. You know, it's like there's so many, you know, it's like do people get excited about Freddie Freeman versus Jose Abreu? Yes. Is there as big a is there as big a gap between those guys for the amount of excitement people have? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's similar with like Kepler and Mancini versus like a guy like um, I don't know who's a similar guy like a uh, David Dahl, for instance. Like people get real excited about David Dahl, but. There and they might, and I bet you they'll be as excited about David Dahl next year versus like a Max Kepler. Even though, at the end of the day, if you look at their stats, you're like, mm, I kind of want Max Kepler. You know, is, is Kepler really any different than Conforto? No, but I mean, <laughs> but Conforto, Conforto will go a lot before 
Kepler will go. I, I bet you even next year, no matter what Kepler does the rest of this year, I bet you that Kepler will still go after Conforto next year because there's this aura around Conforto like he's going to become a top 25 bat. And maybe he will. I mean, it's I lost Kepler you. over Conforto if I'm looking at just stats. Oh, I completely lost you, so I missed out everything you said. Like, apparently, I lost connection. I lost you <laughs> mid, mid that, so we can get, kind of just move on. Sorry about that. And we can just agree that we both like – that you like Kepler. You think it's real. That at least the, the power is definitely real. And mm-hmm. I, was just look, I was just looking at, you know, some, like he's pulling the ball a lot more. His hard hit rate's up, which it's up across the board. So it makes sense. He's making – it seems like he's making an effort to really – to really go ahead and get some some power behind that bat. So I think he's going to be a great value next year as well. But we'll see. Now that people listen to you and maybe the occasional listener listens to me, that won't be the case. I know we had a lot more names on the list. Maybe we could talk about them next time. I know you got to get out of here. So I just appreciate you uh, appreciate you joining me today. And if there's any final thoughts, you can share them. If not, you can get out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. No, I don't have any. Uh, l- let me see. What thoughts do I have? Well, I do. I do have. I actually do have. I do have an uh, actual question. And okay, a, yeah, yeah. Wrap, wrap yeah. it up, man. Give me a wrap up. Wrap it up with a question. Well, being that you took the time to you took the time to be on here today with me, and again, I'm newer to the industry. Is there any advice you really do have for people, you know, like me or somebody that hasn't started that wants to get started? Mm. I feel like that's a final. That's a good final thought. That's a fair question. I know it's not as fun, but it's a fair question. A good question to ask you. Mm, yeah, um, it is. You know, you know the the difficult part about giving advice to a noob. <laughs> uh, I'm just playing. You know, but the difficult advice about giving a, 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 a giving advice to someone who's new is like. I'm not new anymore, and it's been a while since I was new. So for me, so my advice may not necessarily translate to something that's good advice for you, <laughs> you know? Fair and enough. I'm also like, like I, I am like, uh, if you follow Rasball, you know that I just, I sort of just plug away with like, I, I write every day. Like, it, I'm... I enjoy I enjoy writing, so I like you know I'm like a a t- I'm I might be a weird one, but I enjoy writing, so I'm like writing for my own enjoyment, and that other people enjoy it, then I'm happy that they do. But <laughs> I'm just like I'm making myself crack up sometimes <laughs> versus trying to make other people laugh. So it's like I'm just I'm just goofing, and I'm I'm happy that people enjoy it. So I'm saying, like, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, you know, just keep doing it and other people will appreciate your enthusiasm, if that makes any sense. You know what I so, mean? So to be a little more philosophical, we could say essentially be true to yourself, be consistent with the, with the work you put out and stand by it. If you're right, right. If you're right, enjoy being right. But if you're wrong, take the L and move on. Don't be afraid because you're going to be wrong. There's no one. No one's ever going to be right 100 percent of the time unless they have a crystal ball like you do. Uh, but yeah, no, that's kind wait, of what I took wait, from it. Are, wait, are, are you, are you giving me advice? No, that's what, that's how, that's what, honestly, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on a second. I thought as you, I was supposed I, to give I, advice. As hey. you, well, as you tippy through your answer, kind of like trying to pick your words, you're trying to pick your words wisely type of thing. That's what, honestly, right. what, that's honestly what I took out of it. Though. That's what I took yeah, from it. No, it was like, exactly. Hey, be, yeah. be yourself, be yourself, be, tr- be, be yourself, just be consistent with your work. And, um, 
enjoy it, have fun with it. And lo- I'm, I, I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the, the approach I've taken. That's the approach right. I've taken and it's worked out for me so far. But Yeah, totally. And also, <laughs> you know, like I think you had more gumption, I think, than I had when I was first starting. Like you reached out to me mm-hmm. and asked me to be on the podcast. Like, you know, that took some guts because yeah. I could have been I could have been an asshole for all you know. You could have been like and reaching out to me and I could have like, you know, either blew you off or just been like wait who <laughs> well, and so i was definitely you know so like that alone i'd say continue doing that kind of stuff because you'd be surprised i'm sure there's a lot of people out there like you know you said you're a marlins fan i bet you you can get craig mesh on your show i i guarantee you he's he's a good he's a good guy i bet you he'd be more than happy to come on i don't know if he's going to come on for like an hour and 45 minute segment like this freaking thing but <laughs> well that, that's because you actually seem to really enjoy baseball and you, honestly if it wasn't for me reminding you hey you're giving like it's coming up on the hour you told me you had like i'm trying to i'm trying to be i'm trying to, again i try and that's another thing i think my willingness to accommodate you have to be willing to, if you're gonna have somebody like you that's been on been in the industry for so long come and, t- and give their time i'm definitely gonna accommodate you I'm going to yeah. work on your schedule. And that's a big thing. You have right. to be willing. You have to be willing to make the sacrifices at my schedule. I'm a firefighter paramedic, so I'm off for two days. So Wait, I don't. Are you giving me advice again? I thought I was supposed to give you advice. I'm not, no, I'm giving, I'm giving people advice. Cause like, like you said, I kind no, of, I just, I took, I, and I, trust me, you're not going to offend me. You won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> and if you do, I'll just go cry when I get off the mic. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's cool. I didn't know you were a firefighter. That's awesome, man. That's yeah, cool. It's, well, appreciate that. And I, I mean, I, and honestly, I rarely talk about what I do cause this is kind of my way to get away. I love what you're calling is uh, Andy Singleton's a firefighter. I'm yeah. sure. I've, I'm sure he'd be happy to be on your uh, pod. I've actually had a chance to talk to him. I just haven't had a chance to line him up for a show. Plus, plus, right when I was about to is when he started getting into that whole we like three hour, like three day, four day long Twitter rant about stealing a player from another guy's team or something. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Think, I mean, <laughs> I don't, not it's not just Andy. I don't really pay attention to uh, Twitter. Like I. I make a couple like jokes here and there, but I don't really pay attention to like. Gotcha. I, I try and avoid drama as much as I can. Yeah, as do I. There, but... There's a there's a little bit of advice for you. There, yeah. Well, again, we're I'm rambling with you. I appreciate yeah, you, no, I appreciate cool. you taking no the time. Problem. I appreciate you taking the time, and um, I'll let you get back to work or whatever you gotta do, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, bro. Not a problem. Hope to have you on again. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> what? I said I hope. I said I hope. I'll get my hopes up. It's okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. Sorry, I'm a talker. I appreciate it, man. That's all right. I'll talk to you later, bro. Yeah, definitely. All right, later. Later, man. Again, that was Gray Albright. You can follow him on Twitter at Razball, Mr. Razball himself. Now, I, I'm i just as in shock as everybody else that he was actually joining us. Now, we do have a, the few faithful listeners we have. You'll be surprised too. But if you've never heard of him, check his stuff out. It's really fun. It's a, it's a, it's a different type. He he's obviously obviously knows his stuff, but he also brings in a little bit of a comedic relief to it. So, and you can follow them, like I said, at Razball. You can find them. Their iTunes, everything is Razball. They do fantasy baseball, football. They cover a little bit of everything, basketball, I believe. So, definitely check them out. Now I'm just rambling, kind of just excited the fact that this happened. So, all in all, guys, again, appreciate you guys listening. 
I'm Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. My typical co-hosts are Zach and George. You can follow them on Twitter at jmonsonas 90 for George, at Bravzy for Zach. You can follow the um, podcast on Twitter as well and on Instagram at BasesLoadedPod. And don't forget to leave us a, a rating review. I mean, it really helps us grow. It really um, just benefits us as a whole, and it's really appreciated, guys. Again, I'm rambling, so um, I'll let you go. It's been fun talking to you, and we'll talk to you soon. 